everyone. Welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. On today's podcast, I'm very excited to welcome Sean Russell. He is the co-founder of B Corp Beauty Coalition and is also the founder of Skandinavsk, a brand collection of home and body fragrances with scents inspired by travels across the Nordic region. Sean, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about what you do? Yes, thanks very much, Anastasia. It's a delight uh, to be on your show, Sustainability Speaks. I am Sean Russell. I'm an Englishman who uh, who once was an enthusiastic corporate capitalist working uh, in advertising and branding agencies in London, Sydney, Copenhagen and Stockholm, but met and fell in love with a blonde Scandinavian girl more than 20 years ago. And uh, 10 years later, I got the inspiration for starting my own company, Scandinavisk which is uh, a brand that's uh, specifically uh, uh, designed to inspire the rest of the world to take a more Scandinavian approach to life. And we are literally 10 years old as I speak. Fantastic. Thank you for the overview. And also, I was waiting for you to actually say exactly what the brand is called, because I'm sure you're able to do that a lot better than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, you have briefly explained the story behind Scandinavisk and also why perhaps you started uh, you started the company um i think it would also be very interesting to hear what exact problems the brand is trying to tackle because you said that you're inspiring people to take the scandinavian approach but what exactly is it about the approach that uh, can be more sustainable yes well good question um i mean when i first came to scandinavia uh, to follow this girl I'd never, uh, I'd never really considered visiting before, and that was 20 years ago. But I'd always had some vague positive associations with the region uh, because it's kind of socially acceptable to do so. They're progressive uh, uh, nations with uh, li- limited social inequality, high respect for nature. Um, they typically outperform all other countries or most other countries on any kind of social environmental performance indicators you could be talking about uh, freedom the press individual freedom um, you could talk about democracy you can talk about trust uh, you can talk about sexual equality you can talk about happiness or use of green energy uh, and uh, you know it's what was true then was still true today is the Scandinavian countries consistently outperform the rest of the world uh, as a group of countries they demonstrate there's another way uh, and I think the secret to that, uh, and it took me 10 years to really understand it, is in balance. Balance with three things. It's balance within society and the community as one, rather than pursuit of individual success. It's balance of the individual. And that means a kind of healthy daily balance of work, life and not aspiring towards something more distant, but actually seeking and finding peace and contentment in the everyday. And then I think it's uh, last but not least balance with the nature that dominates and surrounds the Scandinavian region. After all, you can go from Copenhagen, Denmark, which is almost in the bottom of Scandinavia and walk to the Arctic Circle, and it will take you several thousand kilometers. If you flipped the entire region of Scandinavia, it would land in Milan. Um, You're surrounded by wood and water to such a great degree. More than half the region is forested. No one is more than 50 kilometers from water and there are more boats than people. And obviously then you've got the lightness and the dark of summer and winter. 
uh, you really are very much affected by nature in a very different way to how I was, for example, when I lived in London, England, or Sydney, Australia, or visited many other metropolises in my previous uh, corporate career. And I think it's the it's that balance in those three areas that is uh, what underpins the Scandinavian approach. And ultimately, uh, I I felt, and I continue to do so today, I feel it's it's a model that the rest of the world can genuinely learn from and incorporate into their own thinking, whether that's individuals, whether that's institutions, uh, businesses. Uh, and I felt as a, let's say, an outsider on the inside, uh, I felt a responsibility to try and share that Scandinavian story to the rest of the world so more people would know and understand it and hopefully react to it. So that was my starting point for launching uh, the brand Scandinavisk. And then I choose chose the somewhat unlikely approach of fragrance to try to tell that story. But there's a logic there as well, because fragrance is, is of course, one of the, if not the most powerful sense people have, perhaps the, the most misunderstood, but it really can connect with people on a very deep level. So we have essentially tried to describe the stories of Scandinavia through fragrance chapters. And then, of course, we've created these fragrances suitable either for home environments where you have that sense of community, or for the outdoors where you're managing the the uh, the nature, such as protection, moisturization. And for us, it's a kind of very logical approach to reflect Scandinavia through fragrances for the body and the home. And that, that really was the starting point. That was very beautifully put. And actually, when you were describing, you know, the nature of Scandinavia, it definitely took me back to when I visited Finland, Sweden, Denmark. There is something very serene about it and um mm. i think the whole balance aspect that you've mentioned as well that is very important but also i think very overlooked as well unfortunately yes. um, and then i can also see how you know through your brand you are trying to implement that into your fragrances and then actually bring it into people's homes so that's the way kind of i have interpreted what you've just said uh i'm sure the listeners can also interpret it in their own uh, creative way I think what would also be very interesting to know is how exactly does perhaps that Scandinavian approach also help you in your day-to-day -day work with Scandinavisk in terms of working towards net zero, perhaps, and also mm. just minimizing your carbon footprint um, in your manufacturing process and that whole um, kind of aspect of the business. Right. Well, I mean, I think uh, it, it, it really is the reference point for me with everything we do. Uh, and even before we talk about sustainability, uh, it's about uh, uh, lack of hierarchy, inclusiveness amongst the uh, amongst the team, the ability for every individual to be uh, confident to say what they think and have an involvement in decision making. Um, it is a, it is a team that is also being created to. Uh, welcome the disadvantaged. Um, in fact, we have uh, a refugee program that we've been running ever since the uh, the, the crisis in fifteen sixteen. Uh, but it's also very inclusive to multiple nationalities, and, uh, and we have around twelve different nationalities uh, in this, the company of only about twenty five people. So we're trying to build a United Nations of Scandinavia. And then, uh, in terms of our designing our products, there's an understatement 
to the products, whether it be the color or the scents or the descriptions on, on the packaging or in our, in our brand materials that is respectful of the region that we are celebrating, that is not greenwashing, that is, uh, is essentially being quite bluntly specific about what it is and what it isn't and allowing people to draw their own conclusions with no risk of misinformation. So there's all these elements, the layers that reflect what I've observed to be the approach to business that Scandinavians have that are reflected in our own organization and our products. And then last but not least, of course, comes the sustainability element. And this is a, perhaps an interesting story for you uh, because when we started out, sustainability wasn't the highest element on our agenda. It was it's actually just telling the story of Scandinavia. But as we firstly survived and then began to grow, we became increasingly aware of the impact of the footprints we were leaving in our production processes, in our in our logistics, uh, in the raw materials that we were using. And we felt increasingly guilty that if we were to represent a, if we are to represent a better practice of the world as represented by Scandinavia, we need to be better practice ourselves. We need to walk the talk. And so uh, we did two things. The first thing we did was look for a, a certification, an independent validation of our efforts to ensure that we actually met a certain standard. And that was the B Corp certification process. And I can come back to that later. And we managed to scrape through with our collection, which we were both tremendously proud and relieved to do, but it still left this gaping hole in our uh, feeling that there was still so much more to do because at the end of the day, the B Corp process is incredibly good at teaching you the difference between how good you think you are and how good you truly act as an individual, as a leader, as a company. And that gap for me, for our company, was 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 something we really uh, were keen to close as fast as possible after certification. And so less than 12 months after becoming a B Corp, we replaced our entire product collection to be more local, more natural, more organic, more ethical and more responsible. And I'm happy to walk through some of those areas uh, if you would like me to elaborate. Yes, please. That would be great. I think it would also be very interesting from the perspective just for some of our listeners who perhaps have listened to some of our other podcasts with some organizations which um, are certified by B Corp. Um, or if you're completely new and this is your first time hearing about it, I think, mm. Sean, the fact that you've kind of spoken about, you know, how it also helps you improve as a business, the certification, I think it yes. would be also great to hear your journey. Okay, so, so the B Corp process is actually a company certification. It, it's not a uh, product ingredient packaging certification is that it's the certification of your entire company and your entire company as it relates to the social and environmental impact of your decisions and it's measured in five areas your governance your impact on your team your workers your employees your local community your suppliers your customers, and actually there is six, in, uh, and, and the environment that surrounds us all. There's more than 200 non-linear questions that you have to answer, which when you have submitted your uh, impact assessment, as it's called, uh, online, you are then rigorously audited 
in order for the um, the non-profit behind the B Corp process um, to validate whether or not you're speaking the truth. And there is no place to hide. There is no way of tricking the system. Whatever answer you give to one question may lead you to a different question. And you'll have to provide credible evidence of all of your answers in order to generate the points that you need to, to reach that criteria. It took us roughly six months from start to finish. Some bigger companies can take one or two years to conduct the entire B certification process. And um, I think any business, whether you're small or large, is worth going to uh, bcorporation.net. Uh, and just you, you can do the B impact assessment free of charge. I thought I would do it in a weekend when I thought, let's see how, how hard it is. It took me days. And by the end of it, I was completely drained. Uh, and it really does educate you about the things you weren't even aware that you need to think about. Now, there's about 5,000 B Corps around the world, and it's been going 15 years. So it shows it's still a very, very high bar to reach. Uh, and it's got quite low awareness. But for me, a company certification is far more credible than a product packaging or ingredient certification, because I believe, and in my experience, it's easier to engineer a product or a piece of packaging or an ingredient to meet that kind of certification. It's far harder to engineer a company. Yes, 100%. Uh, I think you kind of said it completely right in terms of you can have your product certified, your packaging certified, which uh, inevitably is still great. But it's mm -hmm. also the way that you run your business, the way that you treat your workers, and also how you treat the community within which you operate. So I think that's a very, very fair point. Sean, I think it would also be very insightful and interesting to hear from you. Um, what did that uh, complete rebrand and relaunch look like when you um, changed the products of Scandinavisk? Initially, it was started as, 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 as an observation of uh, the struggles we were having with finding a candle wax that was responsibly sourced. Um, uh, and as we were doing that, we realized there were other areas that we could address and we just decided to do it all simultaneously. And I, th and I think this is an example of just, just rigorous uh, discipline and looking at every area and where do you leave the most impact or footprint and then trying to address them, particularly trying to address them simultaneously. So you're not hanging on one thing alone. So we start with the candle wax, we'd use paraffin, we'd use palm, we'd use soy, and all of them have benefits for burning, but they're not the most responsibly sourced, any of them. We moved after eight years to a Swedish rapeseed wax that was local, that was responsibly farmed, that was traceable and non-GMO. Uh, and that made complete sense to us. It's the heaviest part of our product, um, and therefore we, we needed to find a way to replace the, the stuff we were we were transporting long distance with something local and responsible. We did that. We had a whole personal care collection that didn't use organic ingredients. And we said this is wrong because natural ingredients alone don't necessarily uh, help the planet if they're not responsibly farmed. If there's pesticides and fertilizers being used on them. Uh, you, you you have less control over natural products than you do organics. So we set ourselves a stupid, crazy, stupid, almost objective, which is to maximize uh, you know, our first priority with all our personal care products was to maximize the number of certified organic ingredients to the just before the point that they start compromising the performance of the formula on the skin. Now, actually, it doesn't sound that stupid when I say it. 
but that's not nobody else seems to do in the industry. So essentially you're saying protect the soil first, maximize the number of certified organic ingredients. But unlike food, the industry is so far behind in cosmetics, there's actually quite a limited number of certified organic ingredients. There's only so many things you can do with them individually or combined. So you're left with a kind of smaller menu of options, which means you'll need natural ingredients um, to fill in the gaps. We ended up maximizing. So typically all our personal care products are around 50% certified organic, which, you know, compared to what I said before with some certifiers is significantly higher. On top of that, we uh, we we moved to bioplastic instead of uh, plastic from the oil industry. We use metal because it's the most recyclable material on earth. And we've now just introduced post-consumer recycled metal. Uh, and actually, because we started then producing more and more back in Denmark and Sweden, by the end of last year, we could proudly say the majority of our production uh, now takes place within a roughly 100 kilometer radius of Copenhagen. Uh, so those those individual actions isolated are good, uh, responsible, um, uh, but incremental. Um, but together, they do represent a significant step change from where we were, uh, and I think a step change uh, from where the industry is as well. And we now think of products as almost like the tech industry talks about product is always in beta, i.e. it's never finished. Um, we feel the same way with our physical uh, home fragrance and beauty products. Uh, as you as you complete one cycle, you need to start preparing the next generation of products because technologies change, environmental situations change, methods of measurement change, um, legislation changes, uh, and of course, creativity and innovation change as well. So uh, all those elements mean we're kind of on a seven-year cycle of full replacement and we're now two years into our next generation um, and we're already uh, taking one of our key product lines uh, and, and doing a full replacement next year as a kind of 2.1 addition to that line so it's exciting it's uh, almost uh, uh, it's exploratory um, and I think it's quite a different approach to the way many beauty brands operate hundred percent and I think also that aspect of you know remaining flexible and open to change and understanding that your products need to evolve I think from a consumer perspective as well that must justify that not justify but that must show transparency and willingness to listen to feedback from the consumers themselves and also of course from as you mentioned the other aspects which can shift the way a brand uh, works and how it produces, you know, from innovation, creativity, and of course, you know, the standards which are changing as well. Yes. And actually to that point regarding your customers, yeah, we, we often ask them the questions about uh, what's important to them. And um, actually something we're launching, I don't know, within a few weeks, uh, uh, our main line is candles. That's where we started, what we started with. Uh, we're introducing uh, refills for candles and we're initially only going to make them available at scandinavis.com to our most loyal customers. And we're going to ask them to be part of a, let's say, a test protocol where we, we work out uh, with them uh, how well refills can perform. Um, because 
there's some complexity to something that sounds very simple. We need the you need the empty glass. You need to clean the glass. You need to transport a candle that's not protected by glass. You need to place it. You need to burn it. You need to see if it performs. But it comes from an insight that the biggest footprint that we have in our product collection is actually the glass. So if we can, it's heavier, it uses more materials and it's fired at extremely high temperatures. You've got to reduce your use of glass. So uh, one way to do that is take your primary product line and offer an alternative. And that's what we're doing uh, this autumn. I think now that we've spoken about B Corp, it would also be very interesting to hear about the the B Corp Beauty Coalition and also what led you to co-founding it. Yes, Thank you. So um, I kind of uh, backtracked. So I think probably spring 2021 and, uh, you know, we're all coming out of the pandemic. Uh, there's a great aware, greater awareness of, of, of habits, consumption habits amongst governments, businesses, you know, individual citizens alike. And the B Corp movement is very much a, a collective, uh, collaborative, cooperative movement, not necessarily competitive although often we compete for the same customers. And I was part of a founding group of seven brands in the beauty space, all B Corps, that that had agreed that we need to find a way to work together to influence the beauty industry for change. Because whatever we do, whether we replace our entire product collection, whether we have farms that grow organic ingredients, whether we do this or whether we do that, you know, we are realizing individually that our ability to influence a, an enormous, very powerful and very established industry is is super difficult alone. So those seven co-founding companies committed to find a way to build a coalition uh, of collective action to work together to influence the beauty industry to change for the better but also to improve our own standards, because like I said, with us, we never accept the status quo. Those seven brands became 2830 by the end of the first six to 12 months, end of last year. And we, uh, including some very large global brands that uh, people will be very familiar with, all of whom are B Corps. And we launched in January 2022, or rather we made ourselves uh, uh, known to the world in Jan. 2022 and since then we've added probably another 20 b corps and i think roughly now as i speak early august we've just hit 50 b corps across six continents so we have global coverage we have millions between us millions of customers billions of euros in in combined revenues and a tremendous potential not just to enact change within our coalition but also to influence it uh, towards the rest of the beauty industry. Um, so by the end of this year, the first output of our coalition is planned, which will be a, a white paper that we will publish open source to consumer and industry alike that firstly defines the better practice that the B Corp Beauty Coalition members already represent, but perhaps more importantly, also points in the direction of improve, further changes um, that not just the coalition will lead, but but the, the beauty industry is encouraged to consider. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I also have a question uh, in relation to your opinion about the beauty industry as a whole, because there is a lot of talk about the fact that the beauty industry 
is one of the most unregulated in the world going of course beyond you know the safety precautions and the health precautions but when it comes to the wider perhaps less immediate impacts what kind of are your thoughts within the coalition on this and are you perhaps doing any work towards this in terms of um getting more black letter law in i know you said you're you're doing a white paper um in terms of making sure that the standards of cosmetics go beyond just health and safety well i think you're right in 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 observing that the uh the the industry is is less regulated than other industries just take the food industry and organic ingredients i mean it's a great example uh you know when you walk into a supermarket for example and you buy an organic apple that it's 100 percent organic uh, and it's organically farmed. Or well, now you can go up to biodynamic, and you know, um, you know. Now we're moving towards regenerative agricultural practices as well. But, but in the beauty industry, that's not the same thing. There is no regulation of of, of organic or natural. There are um, discretionary certifications companies can choose to apply for, and then those companies may reach their criteria of often a for profit certifier who will classify them as organic and then they can put the uh, the logo on and uh, claim to be organic. Now, you know, there are some certifications where um, a product has to only be 10 or 20% organic to be certified as organic, provided it meets other criteria. Um, there's things like that. I just felt that's not right. Yeah, that, 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 that doesn't add up. You know, we're all bombarded by messages. We're all trying to, look for ways to do the right thing b corps is a trust mark for company responsibility which we need to together raise more awareness of but there are other things like organic ingredients or responsible packaging or ingredient sourcing um that are perhaps um uh so our customers are, are being misinformed about um and that makes us very uncomfortable particularly when we get we understand more uh, about what what needs to be done and i'm not a beauty industry person i mean i came from as i said enthusiastic corporate capitalism i was i was selling brands outside the beauty space but i guess with fresh eyes you you do start having a critical eye on um on the industry that you're now becoming a part of and you start by trying to address it within your own products and your own brand. And now as, as a, as a coalition of the willing, let's say we want to address it with more muscle. Um, it's the great old African proverb that I always refer back to is if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And I really believe as a coalition uh, with big and small companies that, that reach all corners of the, uh, the world uh, we have the potential to go far, to influence the industry, to enact change ourselves, and, and then to be examples to customers and industry rivals alike to raise the standard for everybody. Also, I think it would be very interesting to know, since you know you mentioned that there is a variety of organisations uh, which are part of the coalition, being from all over the world, varying in size. From your experience, uh, what would you say are the most popular sustainable practices in the beauty industry? And also, what are the biggest challenges? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this question before, because, you know, what are the most popular 
sustainable practice is, is, is also can be misinformed because something that's popular may not be sustainable, you know, but it, but it's, it, you're given the impression that it is um, plastics from the sea is an example right now of uh, popularity. The problem with plastics from the sea in beauty is um, the plastics that's recovered from the sea is often so decimated it's near impossible to recycle in order to put beauty products safely inside um, because actually beauty products have to meet the same criteria as food and drink products. They have to be food safe. Uh, and thus plastics from the sea is one isolated example, which has briefly had a kind of moment and still does a little bit in terms of not just recovery, but reuse. Uh, there are other uses for it, but to put them in beauty products, not really realistic, to be honest. Uh, on the flip side, um, packaging that doesn't exist, for example, is 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 probably the best uh, practice uh, of approach to packaging. Or packaging that can be uh, refilled safely uh, is is another area that uh, uh, we believe is uh, has has much more powerful uh, benefits uh, for individuals and for the environment. And a number of the, the B Corps in the coalition are are already leading the way in in refill solutions and uh, uh, and reduction of material usage. Fantastic, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me for our for today's discussion. It's been super interesting. And I will include all the links to Scandinavisk and also the B Corp Beauty Coalition in the, in the description of this podcast. So we highly encourage um, our listeners to come and check you out. So thank you so much. Excellent. My pleasure. It's been lovely to uh, talk with you. Thank you. As always, links to Sustainability Speaks will be in the description of this podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date with our episodes. Thank you.